WCBN FM Ann Arbor. It's six o'clock. Closets are for clothes. Will be on in just a moment. Uh, but before that, we're going to hear just one song, just one little song, in between now and when closet starts. And that one song is the Exciters theme by the Exciters.
You're listening to WCBN FM, 88.3 Ann Arbor. Um, we're waiting for Closets Are For Clothes, Tuesday, April 10th. Oh, wait, did that already pass? It did. Well, I hope you come to the rest of our Live at PJ's movie nights. We'll be right back. If you skate upon thin ice, 
You'd be wise if you thought twice before you made another single move. One times eight is eight. Two times eight is sixteen. Three times eight is twenty-four. Four times eight is thirty-two. And five times eight is forty. You know. Six times eight is forty-eight. Seven times eight is fifty-six. Eight times eight is sixty-four. Nine times eight is seventy-two. And ten times eight is eighty. That's true. Eleven times eight is eighty-eight. And twelve times eight is ninety-six. Now here's a chance to get off on your new math tricks. 
What's going on in here? Well, I told you, we're remodeling closets. I knew this was going to happen eventually, but not so soon. Come on, it's a new year, time to start over. Plus, we need more room for all your nasty construction boots. Uh, you mean stiletto heels? Whatever, they take up a lot of space, Imelda. So what's the difference between this year's closet and last year's closet? Well, um, we're going to have more student voice, regular guest editorials. What about the music and the insightful investigative reporting? Um, oh, the gossip. Yeah, that'll still be there. Oh, thank my rainbows. Great. Let's get started. Hand me a glue stick and the glitter. Welcome to Closets Are For Clothes. Uh, see, Dan, wasn't that such a nice music break? It was, absolutely. You know, sometimes I just feel like, you know, I need to hear a little music. A- absolutely, absolutely. So we're going to whip it the... out. And every once in a while, we will do that. Just to, you know, shake things up. Yeah. <laughs> it's sort of a rainy day, and we need some music to uplift our souls. That's right. You know. Um, so, yeah, yeah. Especially with the snow that's going on. I mean, I goodness. It's what, <sighs> April? It's um, April 12th. April 12th? 11th. April 11th. 11th and and it's snowing, snowing. Out. it's gross and i'm sure that those of you don't know that if you're home watching and listening closets because you're you're wrapped and, and staring at your radio <laughs> so or your ipod or your or your pewter that's right um but yeah so yeah it's, so it's, it's odd uh-huh, so uh-huh. how was your um your uh, trip to florida travels? yeah yes. you know i traveled a bit um, and I was in Orlando and then I was here and then I was in St. Louis and now I'm back. Oh my gosh. You I did know, a lot I'm of traveling. Very, my arms are very tired. <laughs> so, no, you know, it was good. Orlando is, I haven't been to Orlando since I was a wee, wee tot. Oh, really? And have you ever been to Orlando? Um, when I was a wee, wee tot. Yeah. So it's very, um, Disney-fied. Really? Yeah, I feel like everything centers around Disney. Like, interesting, and it's so expensive. Well, well, well it is yeah. not. It is not cheap. Yeah, if if it's Disneyfied, definitely. Yeah, and it's so interesting because I was I was at the bank and I saw these two gentlemen walk in and they were dressed like pirates and I'm like, what is going on? <laughs> And I asked them, like, so you're dressed like pirates? And they're like, yeah, we work at Disney. I'm like, oh, right. Oh, I'm surprised that they can take their costumes home. Well, so I was like, they probably they... have to buy it. You know, I don't know. Well, that's what I was wondering. Do they have to, you know, buy the, the costumes so they can do it? Well, I'm sure that some of them you can't take home, like, the person who plays Donald Duck or whatever. Right. Anyway. Oh, yeah. Okay. There you go. There you go. <laughs> so, I mean, because that would go as a princess, you know, you well, know no. Cinderella. <laughs> well, you know, they're having their fast first black princess. Yes. That's very exciting. Fantastic. Yeah, yes. fantastic. But you know what? That they had to go through, uh, like how many different ones? They had to go through the uh, the mermaid. They went through the mermaid, the even uh, interspecies you know. princesses yeah. before. <laughs> before they even um, African American princess. Yes. Um, but yeah, I mean, so so that's exciting. But it was good. Orlando was good. Um, the hotel was very nice. It was beautiful weather. Oh. It was sunny and like eighty and breezy. And wow. then I got back to Detroit and was like, "Hi, <laughs> Jack Frost." <laughs> You know, Absolutely, it was it was rough. It was a rough trick, but um, but and yeah. then you got back, and then and that was like Wednesday evening. You got uh-huh. back, and, and then um, and then on Friday I flew to St. Louis to see my new nephew. Oh, uh, now how uh, new is the nephew? Eighteen days. Wow, mm-hmm. holy moly! Mm-hmm. So he's an Aries. Sure, yeah. Oh, I hadn't okay. even thought about that. Wow, I need to get my my astrological my astrological uh, yeah, you know so you can chart predict. out and predict what kind of little. 
person he's yeah, going to be. I was going to say, <laughs> let me see what you come up with. <laughs> <laughs> what little person he's going to be like. And like I said, you know, I'm really looking forward to undermining my brother's authority as a parent. Oh, absolutely. So great. Um, so, yeah, so that was nice. And then it was very cold in St. Louis as well. So, oh, yeah. Yeah, that's not too far south of. I mean, it is. I mean, it's south, but not south. Yeah, it's not right, southern. Right. And I, have, I often get into a fight with my friends about that, actually. They're like, oh, you're from St. Louis? How's the South? I'm like, I don't know. I'm from St. Louis. Right, right, you right. Know? Yeah, but, exactly. And so it's very interesting. And of course, I'm, I am like totally forgetting St. Louis is in... Missouri. Missouri. Really? Oh, okay. That's more like the Midwest to me. Correct. Yeah. That yeah I would also yeah. say it's the Midwest. Yeah. But... Um, See, it's pretty interesting because my mom is from Evansville, Indiana. Mm-hmm. And she has... And, and she definitely, I consider her a Southern belle. I mean, she has a Southern mm. sensibility. She has these Southern um, uh, politeness, um, and especially the accent when she talks to our relatives. Oh, really? Oh, Does absolutely. It come out? Oh, it takes her like two days to get rid of it. Oh, nice. Um, and um, so I'm like, oh, so you, you talk to Aunt Pat, and she looks at me like, how do you know? And I'm like, uh, uh, <laughs> you know, I don't know, Mom. But um, the uh, so yeah, so there was that, and um, and so she can, and I don't figure that's too south of us. I mean, I don't think that. No, that's... I don't think Indiana's southern yeah. at all. Oh, but... just back to having this conversation with somebody about um, the Midwest, and they put Pennsylvania in the Midwest. What? Yeah, and then anything west of um, Illinois was considered west. Oh boy! And I was like, really? I wonder what, like, you know, Colorado or Montana would be considered. And people get very, very emotional about these oh, geographical. Yeah. So you know, or even if they include Michigan as the east, which is. I don't think it's true. No. But, you know, a couple of years ago when we had that big blackout, oh. it was the eastern co- east coast and then Michigan. Right. Or right. Like Ann Arbor. Yeah. And some would argue, like, when school's in session, you know, Michigan's pretty, pretty eastern. Yeah. There's a yeah. lot of New Jersey, New York people. Yeah. I love yeah. you guys, but seriously. Yeah. Universe- um, you mean University of Michigan. Correct. Yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> Not the state of Michigan. Right. So. Right. Because they are normally, if they stay in. Never mind. I was going to go okay. way out. I'm sorry. I just saw Torch Talk Trilogy and reminded myself oh, really? of all the, the my favorite, you know, s- slogans and things like this and all the arguments he had. And, and, and also, again, the amazement of when he wrote that and and produced it mm-hmm, i just sit there mm-hmm. you know harvey firestein and and and, and back then and, oh absolutely and to have that that sense of self i mean the part of the like the reason of those who listened to our last uh, uh podcast or uh broadcast um had you know heard about you know these folks that were meeting in the white house in 1977 and i'm just like I don't think I was. I'm even that mature now to be able to have <laughs> that sense of myself to be able to say, no, I think the president needs to meet with me. You know, I just, I, I don't know if I've got that. So I'm even having some issues right now because at work, I'm, I may have to like, you know, talk to legislators on a regular right. basis, and I have to, to build a relationship. And I'm like, I don't know if I want to do that. Scary. Oh, absolutely. So it's a very interesting. Um, so it's it's definitely a different sense of self. And I was even reading an article the other day, actually the other day being this morning, um, <laughs> that uh, from the New York Times, in fact, and I was going to even bring it up to you even later, is uh, like later as in a few weeks from now, where they did this, um, it, it was it basically it was uh, gays 
often struggle. Excuse me, that's not the one. Um, that was another <laughs> one I was going to bring up uh, at another time. Um, accepting gay identity and uh, gaining strength. Where this kid came out in sixth grade when he was thirteen years old, and the parents rallied around him and said, and and his and his brothers and sisters um, rallied around him and wow. said, you know what, six he, years old. No, sixth grade. Oh, sixth, sixth grade. grade 13 six years, years old. old. Thirteen years okay, old. Okay, that's like six years old. Oh, right, right, <laughs> right. But they all really, and you know, and he's apparently now he's like nineteen, twenty, or no, he's nineteen years old or whatever, and he has gone through that natural process of what a teenager goes through: the mm. dating, the maturing, the and that's so different than what what we have gone through. And, like you've gone yeah. through. I mean, mm-hmm. I mean, I'm thinking you're closer to him than than I am. Um, I am. I'm eighteen. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> right, right, exactly. That I just think that he. Um, oh, I'm much younger than that inside. <laughs> I'm sorry. I, that's I have to, um, Oh, I think I'm 13 again. But anyway, um, but there's there's some. I, I, I just I have to. The, what people are going through, like nowadays, are they're 20 mm-hmm, in their mm-hmm. late 20s, late 30s, late 40s. I mean, he and he's already, going through in 13. Yeah. Yeah, and I just thought that was so amazing that the parents had that much sense of themselves. Um, yeah, and in fact, uh, the, there was a situation where um, some kid came up behind him and and called him the f word and just started, you know, following him between classes and kept using it, kept using it, and he turned around one day and just popped him one. And um, they were like, they were he was going to get in trouble and things like this. And the principal found out why he popped him, mm-hmm. and he turned to the kid, other kid who was calling the names and was like, "You're the one that's suspended, not the other kid." <gasps> wow! And, and you know, and like justified the violence. I mean, it was very interesting. And you know, it's so across the board because you have examples like that that are like shining examples, but still, you have places like oh, in, yeah. like even in Detroit, there are very few gay straight alliances, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. So you, it just goes to show you that some places like need to catch up. Absolutely. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, I would even go as far as even like Ann Arbor Ypsilanti, who have gay straight alliances, and it's still going on. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think that that's where. I mean, just recently, the University of Michigan had to deal with somebody on the street who was right. beat up, you know, in a in a taxi, and so it was just a. Uh, it, it's kind of frightening. It's uh, in fact, I, I was having an argument just three weeks prior with somebody about how safe Ann Arbor really is. And uh, because um, I was talking to just a straight person, and they were saying, "Oh, Ann Arbor's totally safe. You guys should be able to definitely hold hands." And this couple was like, "I was debating. One was like, I really want to hold a hand in the, from the bar all the way to the parking lot, and the other one was like, I'm not holding your hand at all. Mm. In fact, if you want, you can walk two steps behind me." Wow. And wow. I mean, that freaked out about it. And it's all about how a, a person feels and if they're safe, right? So yeah. a person, you know, you could take the same 13 year old. And put him in an environment where he, he's as out, but right. not as supported, and it would be a different. Absolutely, it would be different. I mean, I'm even different. I mean, you take take me out of the situation and put me in New York, mm-hmm. L.A., San Francisco. <gasps> totally different animal mm-hmm. absolutely mm-hmm. so but yeah so it's just been a very um so i'm just really amazed by that so um that may be a future topic at a very just a little hint there very yeah interesting so i was reading the news as i opt to do and, oh. to do, and i was you know i happen to like um uh keith Ober- olberman do you know who that is no i don't he has a show on msnbc called the countdown with keith olberman oh yes okay, okay. and okay. He, he used to be on espn but now he's in msnbc MSNBC. There you go. Um, and he has been slamming, um, as in like bad mouthing or criticizing Anderson Cooper 
on CNN. Okay, I just heard about this Did like you hear about this? two hours ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, like, what's going on with this? Well, you know, the Out Magazine just did this article on the glass closet, um, and it talks about how there are people in the limelight of celebrity who um, are believed to be, and many people think they know that they are in the LGBT. Mm-hmm. So, for example, the examples they gave were Anderson Cooper and Jodie Foster. Oh, wow. And they criticize them for not being out. Interesting. And so Keith Olbermann's thing is, like, you know, how can Anderson Cooper demand full disclosure from the government? And um, how can you say um, y- you, you know, you know, give us, tell us what we need to know, but Anderson Cooper refuses to talk about his sexuality? And how mm. Anderson Cooper will... Well, say, you know, I don't discuss my personal life, but he often talks about his father's death and his brother's suicide and, and uh, stuff like that, but he won't discuss his sexuality. So, you know, I'm sort of of two minds. I'm like, well, a person needs to come out when they feel like they need to come out. Right. But the other part of it is like, don't do you have a responsibility as a public figure, you know, that sort of thing. It's well, when do you have a, when, when are you an influential enough that you need to come out? I mean, that's the part where I start thinking about, like if, if a friend of mine it just doesn't want to be out at, I mean, he works for a bank mm-hmm. and he doesn't want to be out at the bank. Um, he's not really influential at all. Mm-hmm. He's the decisions he decisions he has to make is not based on sexual orientation. Sure, exactly. They're really all factual finances, right? And I think, um, yeah. And he, what will change if that person comes out, right? Right. But the other thing is, like you know, in the public limelight, where personal is political, and so right. And so and I don't know and you know it's it's a hard it's very multifaceted because if you look at someone like James McGreevy, mm-hmm. who wasn't out right but acted what I would say unethically absolutely you know there's an outness question there too right. so right. and yeah and I think that that. <laughs> yeah, there was a couple of things unethically he did, but yes, I mean, there's a well, I mean, one with the affair with the uh, with the staff, with member. The staff member. Thank you. Yeah, right. So that that whole power and control things. I don't care if you're male or female, right? Uh, and you know, the other thing is like there's a lot of outing going on with celebrities, like a lot of outing people. Are, I think that in the '70s, particularly, there was a lot of like gay news media outing people. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that that's happening again. Yeah. I think if you look at T.R. Knight from um, oh, yeah. his Anatomy and then Doogie right. Hauser and then... Well, now, Doogie Hauser was he on... Did he make that choice himself? Well, or he was... was openly... He was out, but not openly gay. Oh, okay. So, I mean, there's gotcha. a distinction, right? So, this hmm. is very interesting. And complicated. Because complicated. I would like to be... That's very interesting to be out, but not necessarily... But not... I mean, to be openly gay, but not out. That's a very... Is that what you just said? No. Or did you just say... To be out but not openly gay. Okay. To be out but not open. So in other words, open meaning promote. Promotion of my not sexuality. Not promotion, but like um, like explicit expression, maybe. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, so, you know, not shirking away from that identity when it comes up and, right. and every day. So, and you know, I've talked to people who have been like, you know, oh, I've seen Anderson Cooper at the gay bar in New York and his boyfriend's really hot. Right, and he's not open. Yep, he's not open, and who is to say he's not even out? So it's very interesting this 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 outness. Right, and I, and I and that's I mean I think that's it's it's very interesting of 
I mean, like for instance, if they are doing things, I mean, my my line used to be, if you were doing things that were going to harm me, you better believe I'm going to make I'm going to make you come out. Mm. You know, if mm. you are like, for instance, even in a work situation, I mean, and it really actually did happen to me recently, not recently, but it did happen in my career where I was working for this gentleman and he kept. I was a, a model employee, and then they switched management. And I caught the gay vibe from him. I knew I, my gaydar just went off. Mm-hmm. And um, a friend of mine was working with me at the time there, a part time, and he caught it as well. Well, he's much more upfront, being a drag queen that he is. He <laughs> was very, very much upfront, and so he identified the three gay people in the in the in the place, and he um, and he went after us. Oh no! And so part of me was like. Okay, I know he has no influence in the sense of outing him is not really necessarily going to be a. There's not going to be a life change or a, or a company um, a po- change in policy, um, but he's coming after me now. I'm being written up every day when I come in for a little thing, very very minor, very very minor things. In fact, even around areas that were not part of my responsibility. Wow, yeah. And I was being held responsible for it and held to a different standard. And, and see, this is wrong. See exactly. So in that situation, I felt very justified in the sense of of outing him, and there was some changes that happened. And sure enough, even though he totally denied it, <laughs> we found him at Backstreet four years later. Whoops. Um, and that was kind of an interesting phone call at two in the morning. But anyway, um, <laughs> but it was one of those things where when you're coming after when when you're harming, like for instance, if the gov- uh, governor. Mc- McGreevy. McGreevy. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry, I was getting mixed up with uh, Steamy. Um, uh, McGree- Steamy. Uh, yeah, so McGreevy, that they're, you know, if he was writing bills and they were anti gay, you better right. believe I think that would have been justified. But if he wasn't. So, for example, so an example that would follow that would be the minister out of Colorado. Who, okay, say more. So, there was a minister out of Colorado whose name I can't remember at this point. Um,. He um, remember something like this. I just can't remember any of the details. He he was let's see the minister from Colorado, Ted Haggard. Got it. Yes, yes, exactly. <laughs> so oh, Ted Haggard, absolutely. the head of this, um, you know, right wing. Absolutely. So that I I would totally promote in in outing him. I mean, it's like luck. Don't be holding a double standard. Don't be a bigot. Get out the you know. Start. Right, it is about a double standard there, isn't it? So it's mm-hmm. very it's very interesting. Absolutely. So and I think that that's where I. So if you're in the limelight, the only thing that I would see as a benefit to someone coming out like um, Anderson Cooper would be that he would be considered. I would. He could be a mentor. You know, people. Could, you know. Um, Folks could look up to him as a mentor, as somebody that they could be, that they could possibly, like, I could get into the into the news business. Mm-hmm. I could mm-hmm. become mm-hmm. A, a professional um, per journalist. I could go into that field. Um, I, I'd be more interested in hearing about why he, what, what he's afraid of. You know, he just got signed back on CNN for like $5 million a year or something like that. Like so, why? Well, it depends on what. It, well, I mean, is there something in his contract that says something about fifty million dollars? Excuse me. Um, fifty well, million dollars a year, or fifty million dollars total for oh, the next five I years? Think so fifty million dollars next five years. So it's you know. Okay. So sorry, it's ten, ten, ten million bucks a year. Yeah, so. really. <laughs> <laughs> I could I could find a way to live off that. Right. right. Um, <laughs> I could do something with it. Yes. But. So so yeah, I'd be because you know you used to be a model. You used to be a model. He did. 
Yeah, I could believe that. Cooper. I could believe that. And he comes from a rich, very rich heiress family. Like, well, that I knew, and yeah. so that's what I was kind of wondering if it, if it has to do something with his own family that we don't have any of those those people in our family. Wow. Um, and so, is there error that's going to is it going to affect his heir? His error. Um, so that was one, you know, because that was one. I'm trying to think of just a whole person. I'm like, what is it? There's, there's got to be different, different influences mm-hmm. either with work or, mm-hmm. or his personal life. And uh, what about like, for instance, is there was a situation I was also reading where, oh, who was a representative where his partner was, uh, is a construction worker, and um, even though they're very open about their, their, their life, the situation that. Um, that the coworker could lose his job or it could be dangerous on the job because he couldn't um, he he couldn't be out hmm. uh, or they would because it's still a very homophobic environment environment mm-hmm. where he and in fact there was even a book that was done on the construction work and homophobia oh wow and the demasculization and so it it definitely. So and so, there's even those factors. I'm wondering what his boyfriend does or who his boyfriend is uh, that could affect. Trainer, apparently, what's that? He's a personal trainer, apparently. Oh, okay. Well, then, <laughs> well, then I don't think it's going to affect his life too much, right? Okay, so well, it's very interesting. This this whole maybe we should we should have an, a segment. We should talk about coming absolutely. out. Absolutely, yeah, absolutely. Maybe. Like and 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 who's your you know because one of the things i think that was also the, that's important to understand is also the stages of coming out uh-huh, you know absolutely. because when i start coming out to people i've already um i've already started the i've, I've already come out to myself and i don't have to deal with it mm-hmm. um where uh where he uh where once I tell my family, they're you know they're just starting their process that I've been in the process of doing for the last year or two. Right, and that's frustrating to have to play catch up. Right. Right. Excellent. So let's take a quick break. Okay. We'll come back and um, we'll talk about this new um, report from the National Gay and Lesbian Task Force about bisexual health. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, we've got a, a guest with us today, uh, Andrea Knittel. So so we'll be right back. You're listening to Closets Are for Clothes. <laughs> Hello, you're oh, back. We are back. I, I expected one of those things, you know, <laughs> one of those station IDs. Anyway, you're back with Closets Are For Clothes with Dan and Gabe, 88.3 FM Ann Arbor. And we um, are going to talk a little bit about um, about health, right? Absolutely. Bisexual health. Um, there was recently a report um, released by the National Gain Task Force, National Gain Lesbian Task Force, Entitled Bisexual Health and Introduction and Model Practices for HIV and STI Prevention Programming, which was really interesting because it talked about sort of why um, bisexuals in particular yes. um, are, are you know, they're... How are they being affected by the healthcare community? I mean, that the the when the from my understanding, um, with bisexual bisexuals when they go to their doctors and they uh, and they come out to their doctor, um, there there is a set of different standards or assumptions right. that are made, and I found it very interesting in this report, and I was hoping that we could possibly and you know I think it sort of mirrors the the 
the internal discrimination that that bisexuals often face within the community. Absolutely. So, so we're joined by Andrea Canidal, a second year MD, MD, PhD student from U of M. Uh, and Andrea is also the American Medical Student Association's LGBT Health Action Committee National Chair. So oh, wow. We have someone of great import with us. Andrea, hello. Hi. Welcome <laughs> to Closets Are For Clothes. We're glad you could join us today. I, I understand that you're, you're deep into studying for the boards, so I really appreciate you taking some time with us. I am, in fact, deep into studying, but it's always nice to take a little break. <laughs> Yay! And thank you for thinking of us being a break, because we could be pretty taxing to some people. <laughs> <laughs> so, Andrew, so one of the concerns that I had, and I was kind of curious on some of the tr- training or, or the um, discussion that happens um, for our medical students here at the University of Michigan on dealing with people of various sexual orientations. Here at Michigan, we actually have a pretty good curriculum. It's not perfect by any means. <laughs> it probably never will be. But um, thanks to some activism on the part of a number of medical students a couple of years ago, here we have a fairly inclusive presentation about, um, at the very least, how to take a sexual history, um, definitions of terms, and just sort of a general discussion about what particular health issues might be important in the LGBT community in general. So some of that's there. And for me, what's concerning and difficult is the idea of what, at least in my head, seems like a difference between, you know, health issues or risk factors that are related to identity and health issues and risk factors that are related to behavior. Absolutely. Because I find that there's a, a definite difference, you know. Yeah. Um, I mean, just like, for instance, when Jerry Falwell says that every gay man has a fi- has 532 partners a year, my mom looks right at me and goes, really? And I'm like, Mom, you gr- you raised me. You know, you know you. 532? Yeah, really. I bring that average down. <laughs> <laughs> Way down. But you're right. I mean, what? Uh, but then in my behavior, you're absolutely right on what I'm in, uh, interested in engaging in, even though I may have f- fewer partners. Right, and and I think also one of the things that this report brings up is the idea that you know you may have certain sexual risk factors depending on who you're having sex with, what you're doing, and those sorts of things. But then, particularly in the LGBT community, and then. Additionally, particularly in bisexual people, there are all these sort of social stigmas and other things that are heaped on top of that that might either prevent you from getting care, increase your risk for depression um, and suicide, possibly affect rates of substance abuse and that sort of thing. And so, and so what were some of those things that they were, they, they were talking about? Um, you mean in terms of particular bisexual health issues? Right, exactly, yes. Well, so within the LGBT community as a whole, um, there's always talk about people being uncomfortable coming out to their physicians, and it's either because of previous bad experiences or perceived not openness or just a general, you know, general concern with coming out to someone new. Exactly. And so I think... Um, so that's just kind of a general LGBT, I think it applies to pretty much everyone, and that if you have to come out to someone that you perceive as different from you, right. then that, you know, is one more step um, in terms of 
of that medical encounter. And then I think with bisexual people in particular, there are so many assumptions, correct or incorrect, depending on who you're talking to, you know. Absolutely. Um, about, oh, well, you're bisexual, so you must be having sex with tons of people. And, mm-hmm. you know, that's Absolutely. Variably true, as it is with pretty much any human being. Well, right. And I think that one of the things that the report goes into is the assumption that, it, you know, when a, um, a, a man comes out, a male comes out to the, their physician and, and says that they're bisexual, and they instantly turn and say, oh, we've got to get you tested for all these STDs. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. We need to talk to you about the down low uh, right. because you must be having sex with men and bringing it home to your, your female partner, or you're having sex with women and bringing it home to your male partner, one of the two. And right. and that's not always the case. I mean, they're, they're, bisexual uh, folks can be able to, um, you know, have a single partner for, for, for many years. And so... Exactly. In a committed relationship. Mm-hmm. And so that's part of the concern that I, fo- that I found surprising in this report was how 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 much the healthcare community does not treat them or take the person into the whole you know take the person holistically and find out what their uh, specific um, circumstances are right. um, but I was intrigued when you said something about suicide and substance abuse because um, is there do what do doctors say about that with sexual orientation or well, you know, I don't know, unfortunately, that doctors are saying a whole lot in terms of mainstream medicine, but um, I think there have been some good studies that have shown that youth who, ha- who are struggling with either gender identity or issues of sexuality, whether that's, you know, possibly being gay, possibly being lesbian, possibly being bisexual, that those youth in particular have astronomically high rates of suicide compared to um, youth who aren't struggling with those issues, gotcha. and that is horrifying. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Um, you know, and I think that many of those rates, although certainly not as high, continue into adulthood, and um, that there are higher rates of depression, and perhaps because of that, higher rates of suicide in adults who are also struggling with these issues. And so clearly, you can't assume that anyone who is <laughs> lesbian, bisexual, or transgender is depressed, right? It's, it's something that as a healthcare provider, somebody who's constantly under attack at work or constantly worrying about whether their partner will have benefits or constantly worrying about, you know, whether their family is going to find out, et cetera, et cetera, that all of these social pressures really do affect health. Absolutely. And, and I think you're right. I mean, the sense of the society has, has us pigeonholing people into that you have to be one or the other that you can't have um and i don't want to and i and i totally apologize for not coming up with a better word but ambiguity that that they they that's and that and that is a very um um it is a compulsory need to choose, right? Right, exactly. Right. That I'm not, I, that was not choosing my words properly, but it was one of those things because one may be bisexual, and that and that's exactly who they are. That there is no choice in that. That mm-hmm. that is their um, orientation. And so, you look like you had something to say. No, you know, I was just going to ask Andrew. Do you get the the sense that when an, an intake forms and sort of physicals that physicians are trained to ask about? behavior versus identity for example saying that someone is msm a man who has sex with men versus saying that the person is gay 
definitely a trend. I mean, you know, on intake forms, you know, it says, are you sexually active? And then you can check men, women, or both. And then in the past, have you been sexually active? Check men, women, or both. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I think there's a trend toward that, um, you know, toward being more inclusive and recognizing that people have fuller sexual histories than just with whom did you have sex last week or who is your current partner. Um, although I think that in general, and, and unfortunately I think this may just be a culture of medicine issue, mm-hmm. in that I don't know that anyone is necessarily asking their patients, you know, who are you attracted to? Oh, uh, right. You, you know so they I mean? don't necessarily and whip out the Klein grid of sexuality and say, hey, where exactly. are you on this? <laughs> exactly. You know, and, and probably for a number of reasons. Mm-hmm. One is that that may or may not be affecting your health, and I think that most healthcare providers are hoping, especially given limited time and that sort of thing, that, that if someone is really fraught with worry about something in particular or really wants to talk to a doctor about it, that they'll bring it up. Mm. Um, and then also there's, I think, always sort of a fuzzy line on a lot of those things is to, you know, do you see a therapist of some kind, either a psychologist or a social worker or a psychiatrist, you know, whatever, mental health professional, you know, and then what kind of doctor are you? Are you a family practice doctor who mm. may do a little more of that? Uh, or, you know, are you seeing somebody... You know, as as a consult for you know some obscure subspecialty, where frankly, their you know how they're feeling about their sexuality may have very little to do with their kidney function, sure, or you know, sure, right, um, those kinds of things. So I I think there's certainly a broad range, and I I like to think that things are going in a positive direction. But I, it, 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 right, and I hope that it's going in a positive direction, and I think that I'm seeing it more and more. Uh, of where you're right, the forms are being changed on you know how to identify, how do you identify male, female, um, mm-hmm. or transgender, and then definitely sexual orientation. But I'm I'm also finding though, but with sub subspecialties, like for instance, like with the liver, dealing with hepatitis, right? They're 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 not asking those questions, mm-hmm. and and that's where it's I, I'm I'm concerned is that yes, it's I totally get like for instance if I'm going in to find out if my arteries have have cholesterol on it or not, they really it has nothing to do with my sexual orientation. But hepatitis may have to do something with my um, uh, sexual practices, right? Um, and 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 then and they're not asking or addressing those issues. And and in fact, we're even having a hard hard time finding doctors willing to deal with hepatitis um, or knowing how to deal with hepatitis. Mm-hmm. And so then how do you deal with a person who is sexually active? I guess the thing, the discomfort of having that question about, uh, of talking to your patient about sex is what I'm, I'm hoping is at least is being addressed or even being talked about is, I, I mean, are yeah. they? I, I think so. I, I mean, so I'm currently in my second year of medical school, so the third and fourth years are really the clinical years. Got it. Um, and so there's a lot more sort of practical stuff. Got it. Um, and I believe that there is a standardized patient experience, which is where they basically train actors to give histories and that sort of thing. Um, and so I, I know that at some point during the third or fourth year, we have a standardized patient who is an adolescent, and I think that oh, there are some sexual issues that come up. And so that, so, you know, it sort of gives you a chance to kind of 
pilot your history-taking skills before you have an actual wow. adolescent who you might offend? I'm nervous even thinking about that. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. And um, I think that there's, I, I'm sure that there are also sexual history-taking um, practice sessions. We've had a number of lectures about them, but, um, I mean, I think, as we all know, you could lecture about doing a lot of different things. Right. Oh, yeah, <laughs> and yeah. It, and it doesn't necessarily prepare you to say, you know, to what do you say after you ask the question, are you having sex with men, women, or both? Right, and the reaction, and, right? The reaction right. is very important, too. Oh, right. absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because that, that, that clues me in on what else I can tell you. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. Like, yeah. A, a, like I'm into B&D or I'm into S&M. Yeah. Right. Um, right. And, and dealing with that with the doctor. You, um, you, you brought up something that happened because I do HIV counseling. And one of the things that was fascinating to me is that I actually had recently had to deal with the question of, well, what is sex? Right. Um, a person identified that they only had, you know, one partner, but then as we defined what sex was, oh, I actually had 15. Um, right. And, I mean, are, I, I know the doctor, I, I guess the concern is that I look to my doctor to be able to think broadly and, and also counsel me. Are, right. are there things of where doctors are, I'm hoping that we don't go to a trend, because you can, I, I miss so much when I walk in and a doctor says I've only got ten minutes mm-hmm. and I've got like thirty questions. Right. Um, are, are there, are is is there any trend to be able to get more personal or more in depth with a patient to be able to ask well, those type of questions? You know, I I've heard a number of things. Um, you know, some of the physicians that I've shadowed use a technique where. You know, they'll, they'll ask someone at the beginning, you know, what questions do you have coming in, and let's just list out those concerns. And so, you know, the patient lists 30 concerns, you might say, you know what, I really think that today we're only going to be able to get through these first 10. Mm-hmm. Why don't we schedule another visit to address the next one? Got it. Okay. You know, and so I think some people are going that way. Um, I know some physicians who have basically just chosen to take a pay cut and are seeing, patient, seeing fewer patients for longer. Wow. That's great. Um, and, and so I think it really, really varies. <laughs> right, right. You know, in, in terms of how you balance that. And also clearly, you know, whether you're in, you know, a huge managed care situation or if you're in your own private practice and, and all of those variables matter. And similarly, I think some of it also depends just on the style of the individual patient and doctor, Um, you know, and that I know some physicians who, without seeming, you know, brusque or rude in any way, can just churn through questions and answer them and take care of things, and patients feel great when they're done, and it took 15 minutes and they got through, you know, what might take somebody else, you know, three or four visits. Right, right, exactly. So I, I like to think... But at the very least, people are conscious of those time limits. Gotcha. And as a result, I hope, you know, I feel like it's it's one thing, you know, again, to train us and talk to us about these things, and, you know, we'll see how it goes in, right. in right. a couple of years. Um, but I like to think that people are at least thinking about, you know, maybe I can't address all of these issues in one visit or, you know, in 15 minutes. Okay. And with any luck figuring out how to make that work. Before we let you go, one of the things I have a question uh, is, like, what is your group um, doing uh, or what are some activities that your group is, is actively doing in, in helping to change 
some of those questions we asked today? Yeah, well, lots of things, thankfully. Yes, um, thank you. I think locally here, um, the medical school group is called Bisexual Gays, Lesbians, and Allies in Medicine. And um, they were very active in curricular change um, a couple of years ago in terms of incorporating not only specific sessions on LGBT health, um, but also into some of those standardized patient activities and, um, you know, small group discussions and that sort of thing. So there was really integration and not just tacking on a lecture, mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, you know, about, about this and that. Um, additionally, recognizing that there's not enough time in the curriculum, we do um, different lunchtime activities. We have an LGBT Health Awareness Week that's a week of lunch and evening activities educating about you know, the health topics sort of across the across the board. Um, and we also provide a welcoming social environment for LGBT and ally medical students. And we work really hard to recruit them to Michigan and um, sort of expand the ranks. There aren't nearly as many LGBT people in medicine as there should be. Great. And so locally, that's kind of what we're doing. And then on a national scale, uh, the American Medical Student Association is incredibly supportive and really considers LGBT health to be one of its priorities. Fantastic. And so I just returned from a national leadership summit teaching um, incoming first and second years how to be LGBT leaders at their medical schools. So, oh, excellent. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's an exciting time. I think people are really taking a lot of initiative um, and changing, you know, changing things, changing their curricula, educating their peers, making sure that everybody knows that regardless of their, you know, personal beliefs about anything, that you're ethically obliged to provide competent care for everyone. Exactly. Fantastic. Thank you so much, Andrea, for taking the time to do this. Well, thank you for having me. Yeah, good luck on the boards and, uh, and good luck, and, and we'll talk to you soon. Great. Thanks so much. Thank Have you. Have a good night. Bye-bye. So there's lots of things to think about, you know, as we go forth in healthcare and trying to figure out, you know, how do we get well and what does well mean? Absolutely. And so, so yeah, it's, it's really good to hear that the medical students are sort of tackling this, right? Absolutely, absolutely. And especially with the Healthy People 2010 initiative that's going on, mm-hmm. I think it's definitely something where we can speak more to um, and, and definitely get involved in what, you know, what does wellness mean to us and, and, and how does it include us. Right, and you know, like when I was looking for a primary care physician, it was very important for me to, um, to, to have a, a doctor that I knew was affirming. Absolutely. Yes, that I could be out to, and also that I could deal with with a whole host of issues. Yes. So, and and definitely we need that. I mean, we definitely need to be able to. I mean, I was even going to possibly ask her about uh, a subspecialty or a specialty in LGBT issues, but then I thought, you know what, I really do want to just be able to have every doctor have mm-hmm, that issue, and mm-hmm. so I didn't want to push that a little bit because I think everybody needs to be treated as an individual. That's right. all we're asking, right? Um, and then that's why it's human rights, not necessarily special rights. So that's right. 
Before we go, one of the things I wanted to kind of remind people is next Wednesday is uh, the Day of Silence. That's right. So please definitely take a look at some of the websites that are out there through Glisten, through your uh, Gay Straight Alliances, um, and see how you can get involved or support uh, folks that are going to be doing uh, this next Wednesday. Um, yep, people, that doesn't mean that we won't be on the air. That just means, you know, you'll get dead air for an hour. No, We, we right. won't be here. We will break the silence and we'll talk about what that means. We'll talk about Day of Silence, right? Absolutely. Absolutely, absolutely. And speaking of breaking the silence, one of the things, and of course I printed out this and it's, it's small print, mm. um, but um, people, I just, uh, please get involved with the Faith Action Network um, and give them a call. There is a peaceful and prayerful response to, the, uh, to what is called the battle cry. Um, and uh, the American Friends Service Committee's uh, Lesbian, Gay, and Bisexual Transgender Issues Program and Faith Action uh, Network is planning a peaceful uh, response to Battle Cries Rally in Detroit, which is going to be this Friday, April 13th from 2 to 5 mm -hmm. um, at the Grand Circus Park in Detroit. Uh, Battle Cry is an evangelical Christian youth event to put on... Um, uh, put on my teen what is this youth event put on by uh, Teen Mania Ministries uh, led by Ron Lucci L-U-C-E so I don't know if it's loose or Lucci I don't well, know for excellent. sure excellent so lots of opportunities to get involved there absolutely so and they are looking for people who are specifically um, not necessarily going to be there to scream and yell and, and grab attention well maybe grab attention but um, <laughs> but definitely not scream and yell but actually go there in a peaceful way and talk about the various issues that are um, and actually talking about faith and what faith really means and uh, I think I love the one quote that they have from John fifteen seventeen. this is this is my command love love each other that's so right. um, I think that's really important to take a look at and and have some of these teens take a look because uh, it sounds like he's uh, really he's becoming the new up and coming uh, Jerry Falwell if you will he's mm. uh, he's using media to be able to like for instance um, some of the Christian rock uh, that seems okay well he's kind of making MTV videos now so they can be able oh to play boy. Christian Watch music out. on MTV which is not a bad thing I just as long as it's not anti-gay that's the only thing I'm really worried or anti -anything, about anti-anything right absolutely um, right. so I want to make sure folks get involved with that and um, and so please contact fans uh, the Faith Action Network um, and also one of the things some good news is that uh, there was a sweep in Ann Arbor uh, the neighborhood where um uh, Anthos, Mr. Anthos was in, in Detroit, in Detroit, and uh, apparently they've actually come up with some, some uh, witnesses, right? Absolutely, more than the, the uh, police did. So that's, right. that's uh, really good news as well. So uh, stay tuned. Thanks for tuning in, and uh, we will see you next week, April eighteenth. Thanks for listening to Closets Are For Clothes every Wednesday night, 6 p.m. to 7 p.m. on WCBN-FM Ann Arbor 88.3. You can contact us by calling 734-763-3500 or writing to 530-SAB Ann Arbor, Michigan 48109. And don't forget our new email address, wcbnclosets at gmail.com. The views and opinions expressed are solely those of the speaker and are not the opinions of WCBN or their license the regions of the University of Michigan. For Dan Burns and engineer Alex Belhaj, I'm Gabe Javier. Remember, be yourself because you don't get to be anyone else.
Hi, this is Pauline Oliveros, and you're listening to WCBN-FM Ann Arbor. Okay, welcome now. This is indeed WCBN-FM Ann Arbor. I'm your host right now on The Hop. My name's Robert. Gonna, uh, you just heard from Closets Are For Clothes. Coming up after me at 9 o'clock will be the local music show. But in between, in the meantime, it's going to be uh, soul and funk with a little bit of Latin as well thrown in there as I always do on this show every week. I'm going to start off, uh, I can't tell you, I feel like every single Wednesday it's bad weather. And I know people don't like talking about the weather, it's kind of depressing, but it affects us all. And I always come in here on Wednesdays and I always realize, wow, another nasty day. But anyways, hopefully this first song will uh, cool things out a little bit. Um, it's uh, Jorge Bain, the Brazilian artist that you hear often on this show, because he's my favorite. And the song of his, off his LP, uh, Forza Bruta, called Oba La Bimela, here on The Hop. Thanks for listening. Muito bem quem ela é e fico contente só de ver ela passar. 